so I love one of the lines in that song. It says, your ways are higher, your thoughts are wilder. God's thoughts are wilder than our thoughts. It talks about how God is here now. We're going to talk about that a little bit more this morning. And so just keep that in mind, this idea that God is here. Now, I had the opportunity this summer, actually my whole family did, to do something pretty amazing. So my wife is Greek ethnically. She was born here. Her parents were born here, but her grandparents were born in Greece. And her grandmother, when she passed away about nine years ago, set aside some money so that at some point her great-grandkids, which means my kids, were able to go to Greece. So this summer, my family, my wife and kids were able to go to Greece for an entire month. I was able to join them for two of those weeks, and then I had to come back and work, unfortunately, I guess, although I like my job here at the church. So they had the opportunity to go to Greece, and one of Obviously, one of the main things you see when you're in Greece are ancient ruins, or as my kids call them, a pile of old rocks. And we got to see a number of those. The most famous pile of old rocks in Greece is known as the Parthenon. You've all seen pictures of it, but I brought one just in case. Here's a picture. There's my family in front of the Parthenon, this famous pile of old rocks in the city of Athens. It's on the highest hill. Now, this is actually the ruins of a temple to Athena. And you've probably seen this picture before. You may not know why there is a temple to Athena in Athens and why Athens is called Athens. And this is the story. The story goes that both the goddess Athena and the Greek god Poseidon both wanted kind of control of the area that's known as Athens. And so the Greek god Zeus said to both of them, okay, both of you come and bring an offering to the people who live here and whoever they pick will be in charge of this area. So they both came and Poseidon came and he hit a rock and water came out because he's the God of the sea. And that's pretty impressive because Greece is a a hot, dry climate. And and so water came out and people were pretty impressed until all of a sudden they tasted it and realized it was salt water and they're surrounded by salt water. They don't need any more salt water. And then Athena put a, a, a seed in the ground and out of that seed, an olive tree grew. And so they decided, wow, we really like what Athena gave us. We're going to call this town Athens. We're going to build a giant temple to her known as the Parthenon. But they didn't want Poseidon to be mad. So they actually built a smaller temple to Poseidon still in Athens. And not only that, but an hour outside of Athens, they built a larger temple to Poseidon. It's on this beautiful peninsula. One of the things you can do there is go and watch the sunset, which I did. I got another picture for you. There's the sunset outside the temple to Poseidon. And they didn't want Athena to be upset that they built this temple. So they built her a small temple near this temple outside of Athens as well. Now, why do I tell you these stories other than just to show you my pictures and hopefully get more likes than my kids did on Instagram? So you can give me a thumbs up if you like my pictures. But why did I, why did I tell you this story? I, I tell you this story because... When I was there, and I'm hearing you know, all this talk about these Greek gods and this Greek mythology, it's often, it's easy to kind of think about these belief systems and these mythological views of gods, and honestly, to think they're a little silly. I mean, we call them mythology now because it's obvious that these stories aren't true about these gods, but at the time, the people believed this was incredibly serious. They didn't build these temples just so 
2,000, 3,000 years later, we'd have some rocks to go look at. They built them because they deeply believed that these gods were real. And if they didn't do good things, these gods would get mad at them. And if the gods got mad at them, then they would make their lives horrible. And these were deep-held beliefs. And when you're there, you can be like, how could anyone have beliefs like that? How does someone have beliefs in these gods like that? That just doesn't make any sense. It's easy to kind of put down those views. But something happened that changed the way I thought about this. And it actually inspired me, kind of humbled me a little bit, and inspired me as well. And what happened was I realized that many times our own faith can kind of sort of devolve into this mythological view. That many times what we believe actually can have some of the same ideas that we think of as silly that people could have believed that 3,000 years ago. And so I want to mention that today. And the reason is because a misunderstanding of God messes up our lives. When we misunderstand who God is, it, it messes up the way we think. It messes up the way we live. But a right understanding of God will reform the way we think and live. It'll enable us to live the life that God designed for us. God designed us to have more joy and less stress. And when we understand God right, it reforms the way we think and act. God designed us to live a life with more joy. And when we understand God right, it allows us to do that. And so this morning, I want to share with you how we can reform the way we think to live the life God has for us. So how are we going to do that? Well, the good news is, 2,000 years ago, the Apostle Paul actually went to Greece. He actually stood just outside this temple, and he spoke to the people there in Greece that were having this mindset. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at that passage and see what Paul describes, because it's very different from this mythological view that they had that we often fall into. So follow along with me. I'm going to read Acts chapter 17, starting in verse 16, and it says this. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus, where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we would like to know what they mean. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with the inscription to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. And this is what I'm going to proclaim to you today. All right, if you zoned out while I was reading that, you need to pay attention now. Because this is where Paul actually says, he actually describes the difference between the mythological type of view that they had and who the real God is. So pay attention here. This is what Paul says. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their land. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him, we live and move 
and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. In this speech, Paul gives a very, very different view of God. The real God that's very different from the mythological view of God that the people there were believing at the time. And, and he does this, he breaks this down in a number of different ways. He starts off by talking how the real God is bigger than their gods. Bigger than their gods, made heaven and earth. One God that made everything. The real God is, is self-sufficient, doesn't need anything from the humans, doesn't need them to serve him. God is all that there is. He does not need us at all. This God, the real God, is over the entire world, gives life and breath to everything, every single thing. Unlike the mythological gods that have a little bit, or, you know, parts of, or parts charge of different parts of the world, this God is in charge of the entire world, watches over us, marks out history, is with us always, not very far from us at any given moment. And then this last verse, which is just unbelievable. In him, we live and move and have our being, this type of somehow this relation with God that we, it, we, it's part of how we live and breathe. We are actually children of this God. This is not some impersonal, distant God. This is a God that is right there that we have this relationship with. This is what Paul is describing. And what I found as I was looking at this difference is that often in my life, and I'm going to guess in yours, we actually devolve into a mythological view of God. And one of the ways that we do this is that like mythology, we actually believe we need to earn the God's attention. We feel like we need to earn God's attention. This mythological view from God is that these gods were out there and you had to do something big. These gods were probably too busy for you. So you had to do something big so they would notice you. Build a temple, sacrifice, Something like that. You had to because otherwise the God wasn't all that interested in you. This little human being, God doesn't have time for you. And let me ask you this question. Have you ever felt like God is too busy for you? In your life, have you ever felt like, well, I know God is out there and I know God cares, but, but really, I mean, I'm just, I'm just me. There's big things going on in the world. God doesn't necessarily have time for me. I won't ask you to raise your hands because it might be embarrassing for most of us. But for many of us, this comes into our minds. In our minds is our, this idea that, okay, I know God is out there, but, but does God really care about me? And the truth is, Yes. Yes, the real God does. The real God is actually with us always. There is never a time when God is not with you, ever. There is never a time where God is not right next to you through everything you're going through, never. Now, if you had this mythological view and believed in these Greek gods, you didn't necessarily want God to be with you everywhere because the mythological gods were kind of temperamental. And so you wanted to try to stay on their good side, which kind of makes sense because if you base gods based on most humans we know, that's kind of the way it is. Most humans are a bit self-serving, and so you're like, I've got to stay on your good side because I don't want to do anything to make you mad. And so if you would have been talking to this Greek and said, like, hey, God is with you always, they'd be like, oh, no. 
I don't want God to be with me always because then God's going to see everything I do. And if God sees everything I do, God's probably going to be mad at me and the gods are going to get mad at me in life. So I'd rather, I'd rather God stay over there. And every so often I'll go and I'll go into the temple and I'll do some sacrifices and then God will notice me and be like, oh, look at this guy. But most of the time I'd kind of rather have God over there. That's not the real God. And actually, it leads to another issue that often we believe that's different than the mythological God. Often we believe that we need to somehow kind of appease the gods, much like they did mythology. We need to do something to keep them happy. Because if we don't keep God happy, then all of a sudden God's not going to like us very much. Well, we, actually, that's not true. We know God loves us. Why? God is love. I've heard that said many times. So God is love. I know God loves me, but I don't think God really wants to love me. He does because he's God. He has to love you. I mean, if you're a parent, you have to like your kids. You have to think your kid is the cutest kid in the world, even if it's not. Some of you have ugly kids. I don't. (laughs) What some of you do. So you know, oh yeah, I know God has to love me because he's God. But he doesn't really want to love me. He doesn't really want to. Like, that's the way we think. You don't say that. You wouldn't say that. Why? You don't want God to be mad at you. But often we think that. We think, okay, God doesn't really like me. And, 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 and that's just not true. It's not true at all. In fact, God is actually working for your good every moment of every day. Every moment of every day, God is actually actively working for your good. Whether you like it or not, whether you agree with God or not, whether you believe in God or not, God is working for your good. God wants you to flourish. God wants the best for your life every moment of every day. But we don't, all, we don't always want what's good for us because what's good for us is not always easy and simple. Oftentimes, we want our lives to be easy and simple. And so we're like, God, can you make my life easy and simple? And God's like, that's not good for you. God is actively doing what's good for you every moment of every day. And there are times when we don't like what's good for us. But that's who God is. Whether we like it or not, God says, I'm going to do what's best for you. Whether you'd like me to or not, I'm going to do what's good for you. I'm going to do whatever I can to help you flourish in life, to help you move forward in life, to help you grow in life. This is who God is. This is what God is doing every moment of every day. If you don't believe me, Look at the verse up there, Romans 8, 28. We know that in all things, not every so often, not just when we appease the gods, in all things, God works for the good of those who love us, who've been called according to his person. In all things, always, all the time. Did I say that enough? You got it? Did you get that idea? We don't think that way. Do you wake up thinking that? Do you wake up thinking, God's working for my benefit today. Today's going to be a good day. If you do, please call me. I would love for you to tell me that every morning because I need that. I don't. My mind, I have more of this mythological view that I need to do good things because then maybe God will like me. And if I do bad things, then God's not going to like me. Which leads to another view that we have that kind of devolves into mythology. Mythology tries to earn God's approval. The mythological view is I have to earn God's approval. God probably doesn't care about me that much. In fact, you know, God's temperamental, like we said. God probably won't like us unless we do good stuff. And that's the view. That was the view of these Greek gods. God probably doesn't care that much about you. But if you do good things, then God will actually care about you more. Let me ask you a question. 
How many of you have ever tried to make a deal with God? Hey, God, if I do this thing, then you'll do this for me. God, if you give me this job, I'll actually give money to the church. God, if you get me out of this trouble I'm in because I made dumb choices, I will never make those dumb choices again. God, if you help out this family situation, I will actually spend time with my family. All right. How many of us have ever made deals with God? Why do we make deals with God? Because we think that God is actually not doing the best for us all the time. So we make a deal and say, hey, God, if I do something more for you, then you will do more for me. God can't do any more for you. God is doing everything he can to help you out. God is doing everything he can. Let me ask you another question. How many of you ever tried to hide something from God? God, you didn't see that, did you? Or maybe you know that you can't hide from God. Of course I can't hide from God. So instead of trying to hide from God, what happens is you know you messed up. You know you messed up, and because you messed up, you're like, God probably doesn't like me anymore. I messed up, I sinned, I, I did things I shouldn't do. God, obviously God doesn't like me anymore. That's not true. The truth is God actually loves you infinitely, all the time. God cannot love you any more than God loves you right now. It's impossible. God loves you as much now as he was. God loves you. There's nothing you can do to get, make God love you more. Not only that, there's nothing you can do to make God love you any less. We don't think that way. We think, oh, if I mess up, God loves me less. No, God loves you infinitely and unconditionally. You can mess up and God still loves you. He might be disappointed. He might be like, man, I wish you didn't screw up your life like that. But I still love you. If you don't believe that, look at that verse that's on the screen. God demonstrates his love for us. In this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When? When did he die for us? Did he die for us after we had fixed up our lives? God was like, hey, if, you know what? If you fix up your life, if you build me a big temple, then I'll send Jesus. No. God says, while you were still sinners, while you were still making mistakes, while you were still messing up, while you were still not doing what you're supposed to do, while you were still a mess, Jesus died for us. That's the real God. Man, it is so different from this mythological view. In fact, I said, when we understand this, it changes the way we think. Because knowing that God is with us gives us a peace. I mean, God is with us. If God's with us, it doesn't really matter what other people are saying about me. Knowing that God is for us gives us a joy. If God's for us, who could be against us? Hey, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what they say about me and my family or at work or at school. It doesn't matter. God's for me. It doesn't matter if that person cuts me off when I'm driving. God's for me. God loves me. Knowing God loves us gives us a passion. Man, we have a passion. Wow. God loves me. There's nothing I can do to stop it. Nothing. I can try. You still love me. And what he says is, hey, you know what? This is who I am. This is what God says to him. This is who I am. I'm with you. I'm for you. And I love you. Do you want to love me back? That's literally, that's what God says to us. This is who I am. I'm with you. I'm for you. I love you. 
Do you want to love me back? That's the message of Christianity. That's the story. I know you're messed up, God says. I know you're messed up. I know you've messed up. I know you screwed up. I know you've made mistakes. I, I understand all that. I still love you and want to be with you. What do you think? We're going to do something in just a couple minutes. That is the celebration of the greatest act of love in the history of the universe. The greatest act of love in the history of the universe is described in that verse that I just read. God demonstrated his love to us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We're going to take communion. What that means is you get a little cup and you get a little piece of bread. And just before Jesus went back to heaven, he, he told his buddies, his disciples, he said, hey, every so often, just take a little cup that represents my blood that was shed for you and take a little piece of bread that represents my body that was broken for you because you deserve to be broken, but I'm not going to break you. I'm going to break my own son. He said, every so often when you do this, just remember. I'm going to pray in just a minute. The band's going to sing a couple songs. They're going to sing these beautiful songs. And my, my, my challenge to all of us is that what I've said this morning for most of us is not new. Most of us know these things, but they're not necessarily a part of our lives. They're not the way we think every day. They're not the way we live. We don't live out of this being the foundation of who we are because when we have this as the foundation of who we are, it changes how we live, changes how we interact with people. It changes how we think about our life. So my prayer is in the next few moments, as you take a little cup and a little piece of bread, that you would remember how much God loves you. Infinitely. Unconditionally. and that you would thank him. I'm going to pray. They're going to come and serve you. And as we're singing, as you're sitting in the chair, just whenever you're ready, just go ahead and drink your cup. Eat your piece of bread. It's a time between you and God saying, God, I thank you for who you are and what you've done for us. Let's pray. God, we do thank you. We are truly amazed. Like We can't, we can't fathom how much you love us. It's beyond our comprehension. Every single other person that loves us, there's conditions, there's all these things, but not with you. I pray that you would reform the way we think. Take any misunderstandings of who you are out of our mind. Allow these truths to be the foundation of our lives. Allow us in this moment to understand how much you love us. The fact that you set your son to take on all the punishment we deserve, to enable us to have that relationship with you so in you we can live and move and breathe. Move in our hearts and minds this morning to change the foundation of who we are. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We want to thank you for watching and listening to our sermons online, and we hope that uh, you will be inspired to live more like Jesus through these. Please check out blackrock.org for more information about our church. Know that you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. And also uh, know that you can give uh, to BlackRock and to our ministry through PushPay, through our mobile app, and on our website. Your uh, donations and your support of our ministry allows us to have uh, these videos online and for us to impact our community.